Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. If you've been enjoying this series, I would really love for you to rate this on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And of course, I welcome any suggestions or comments to readingwithcarrie at gmail.com. Now, I want to try something a little different with today's mindfulness exercise. To be honest, I cried a bit the first time I practiced this, but I think it's very powerful and the idea of compassion fits beautifully with today's story. This is a compassionate imagery experience. It's a little different from the other mindfulness exercises we've done in this podcast, but I think it's really important to experience this at least once. So I'd like to walk you through this if it's okay. If you don't want to participate, just focus on your breathing as usual and take note of any sensations you might have in your body. So I'd like for you to get somewhere comfortable Maybe you're laying down or maybe you're in a nice comfy chair and just close your eyes. We'll begin by focusing on our breathing as usual, slowly and organic and natural. And we'll begin starting to take deeper breaths in, but don't force your breathing. Really pay attention to the flow of your breath as you inhale, hold, and exhale and just concentrate on your breath. And if your mind starts to wander, just acknowledge the thought and gently realign it back to your breathing. Really focus for a moment more. In and out. And now I want you to imagine yourself outside in a grassy meadow. It's absolutely perfect. The weather is nice, the air is peaceful, and as you look around, you see a wide expanse of soft, luscious grass. The sun is shining softly through the trees, off in the distance, and a slight breeze rustles the leaves. The grass sways with the wind, and you can hear birds chirping happily, way somewhere off in the distance. You feel completely relaxed in this place, totally at home, and you start to walk through the meadow, the healthy grass tickling the skin of your ankles. Perhaps you've taken off your shoes, and you can feel the warm earth support your feet. You focus again on your breathing and how it is slow and rhythmic. And in the distance, you start to see something. It's the silhouette of another person walking towards you, but you can't quite make out the form yet. You begin to walk towards them as they move closer and closer to you. The outline becomes a little more clear, and you can start to see that this person is in fact a child. It's just a child, very small, walking towards you. They're still too far away to pick out the features, but you can just tell from their height. They're very young. 
you continue to walk towards them and they continue towards you and they look maybe three or four years old, that's all. They're so tiny. And you are starting to make out their features as the very young child walks towards you with their eyes wide and a beautiful smile on their face and you find that you are smiling yourself looking back at them. Eventually, as they get close enough, they start to run joyfully and you join them in a happy run towards them. This child is half jumping and bouncing rather than running. They're skipping along in absolute joy in seeing you. You're grinning broadly at seeing their pure happiness. You open your arms and scoop them up as they jump into your embrace with joy. Such pure happiness. They are as excited as you are and you find you can't help but feel joyful that they are here with you too. As you swirl around with them laughing and giggling in your arms, and maybe you are even laughing and giggling along with them, you know that you're completely enjoying yourself. And then, as you come to the last loop of the swirl to rest, you meet the child's eyes and you notice something, something in their eyes you hadn't noticed before. As you stare into them and they stare back into yours, you notice that they have the same eyes as you. This child is you. This child is a three or four year old version of yourself. And as you stare into those unassuming, beautiful child eyes, you feel completely and utterly at home knowing that this person, this young child version of you, is staring back into your eyes with complete love, complete joy, and the connection grows stronger, and you become ever more present with each other. You can feel your heart connecting together. Your hearts are almost touching as the love grows, and the bond grows stronger. And as you do so, as you stare into each other's eyes and see those loving, caring eyes staring back at you, you tell the younger version of you that everything's going to be okay. You will go through some hard times and you'll go through some amazingly great times and everything will be okay. You tell that young child that they'll always be loved by you no matter what. And when they need love, they can look inside, look to their hearts, through their eyes, and know that they are loved by you. And as you hold that child close now, know that that child represents complete love, complete joy, complete acceptance, and complete compassion. Notice that their energy passes through them and into you and your energy passes through you and into them. You are completely, entirely connected. You are so closely intertwined that the child starts to turn into you, and you turn into them. You find yourself sinking deeper and deeper into love and joy as you hold close the connection to the deepest levels of the heart. 
Just knowing now that at any point you need, you can connect and be compassionate with yourself by looking into your eyes. Those child's eyes you've just seen, knowing you can have complete and utter compassion for you as a child, and therefore, you can have complete compassion, love, joy, and happiness for you as you are right now. And now take some time as you come back to the room you're in. Know that you can always keep those child's eyes with you. At any point, you can close your eyes and see that child's eyes looking back to you with love and joy and compassion and happiness. And as you open your eyes now and bring yourself back to the room, just notice a couple things around the room you hadn't noticed before. Focus on an item that you haven't noticed for a while and really look and focus on that item and all its components for just a moment. And now take a few seconds to allow yourself to come back fully to the room, knowing that compassion and love is held deep within your heart. Great job. And now let's get to the story. Cinderella by Charles Perrault Once upon a time, a widower had a daughter who was wonderfully kind and good. He married a second wife who was proud and very selfish. She had two daughters, and they were as mean as their mother. The wedding over, the second wife no longer pretended to be pleasant. She knew well that the sweetness of her husband's child made her own daughter seem even more unpleasant. So she hated the girl and made her work at all the meanest household tasks. The poor girl cooked and scrubbed and cleaned her sloppy stepsister's big fancy rooms. Her own room was in a tiny cold attic, but she never complained. She knew it would have disturbed her father, who had troubles enough. His new wife bossed the poor man terribly. In the evenings, she'd sit by the fire in the cinders. Her stepmother called her Cinder Crawler. Her younger stepsister, not quite so mean, changed the name to Cinderella. Despite her name, she was far lovelier in rags than her stepsisters in their expensive gowns. One day, the king's son sent invitations to a ball. The girls chattered and scurried, trying on dozens of dresses. I'll wear my red velvet, said the elder, the one with real lace. I'll wear my plain ball gown, the other sister said. But I have my diamonds, too, and my cape with gold flowers. They had the best beautician in town come to the house to tell them how to do their hair. Cinderella had excellent taste, and they sent for her to ask her opinion. I'll do your hair if you like, she said. As Cinderella brushed away at their hair, they teased her. Wouldn't you like to go to the ball, Cinderella? I'm afraid a ballroom is no place for me, she answered. You're so right. Imagine a cinder crawler at a ball. How people would laugh. A girl less good than Cinderella would have made their hair look like haystacks. But she did her best to make her stepsisters stylish. They were pleased. They were so busy primping and prancing at their mirrors that they forgot to eat. They broke dozens of laces trying to make their waists small. But at last, they were ready to leave for the ball. Cinderella watched. And when they had gone, she wept a little for loneliness. Her fairy godmother came to see why she cried. 
I wish I could go to the ball, Cinderella sobbed. Do as I say, and we'll see, said the fairy. Get me a pumpkin from the garden. Cinderella brought the biggest pumpkin she could find. The fairy hollowed it out and tapped it with her wand. It became a splendid golden coach. Then she saw six mice in a trap. She let them out, tapped them with her wand, and there stood six fine horses. She still needed a coachman. Would a rat do? asked Cinderella. Yes, indeed, said her fairy godmother. Cinderella brought a rat trap. The fairy chose a rat with long whiskers and made him into a tall, bearded coachman. Then the fairy said, There are six lizards by the garden gate. Bring me them. Cinderella brought them. The fairy turned them into lively, trim servants who hopped up beside the coach. There now, said the fairy. You can go to the ball. Are you glad? Yes, said Cinderella shyly. But can I go in these torn old clothes? Then the fairy's wand really worked a wonder. Cinderella's rags became a jeweled gown of gold and silver. Her shoes turned into glass slippers, ermine lined, and just made for dancing. She looked beautiful. Cinderella got into her coach. Her godmother said, Have a good time, but remember one thing. You must leave the ball by midnight. If you don't, your coach will be a pumpkin again. Your horses will be mice. Your servants will be lizards. Your glorious gown will turn back into torn old clothes. Cinderella promised to leave before midnight and started out for the ball. The prince's courtiers ran to tell him an unknown beautiful princess had arrived. He came to meet her and led her into the ballroom. A hush fell over the guests. All eyes were on the exquisite girl. The old king stared too and whispered to his queen that it was years since he'd seen anyone so lovely. The ladies noted her hair and gown. They planned to buy things like Cinderella's if they could. The prince led her out to dance. Her dancing was a joy to see. Supper was served, but the prince's eyes never left Cinderella. She sat with her stepsisters and gave them some fruit from a basket the prince had given her. They twittered with pride at being noticed, for they didn't recognize Cinderella at all. As they chatted, the clock struck a quarter to twelve. Cinderella made her farewells and left. When she got home, she thanked her very godmother over and over. Then she asked if she might go to the ball again the next night. The prince had begged her to come. Her godmother said she could. Just then, her stepsisters arrived. Cinderella went, yawning, to the door, hoping they'd think she'd been asleep. They were still exclaiming over the lovely unknown princess. She was nicer to us than to anyone else, said the elder. She even gave us some fruit. Cinderella smiled and asked, What was her name? No one knows. The prince would give anything to find out. How I'd love to see her. Won't you lend me a dress so that I can go to the ball? said Cinderella. What? Cindercrawler in our dresses? Never, snapped her stepsisters. Cinderella thought it was just as well. If the mean girls had said yes, Cinderella wouldn't have known what to do. The next night, the stepsisters went to the ball again. Cinderella went too, even more gloriously dressed. The prince never left her side. He was so charming that she forgot the fairy's warning. She heard the clock strike twelve. Light and quick as a startled deer, she ran off. The prince couldn't catch her, but one of her slippers fell off, and he picked it up tenderly. By the time she reached the gates, coach, servants, and all had gone. Nothing remained of her finery but one glass slipper. She got home just ahead of her stepsisters. They said, We saw the princess again. She was more beautiful than ever. But she left so suddenly she lost a glass slipper. The prince found it and hid it next to his heart. We're sure he's in love with her. They were right.
The next day, the prince announced he would marry the girl whose foot would fit the glass slipper. Princesses, duchesses, ladies all tried, without success. The herald brought the slipper to Cinderella's stepsisters, who tried their hardest to make the slipper fit, but they failed. Smiling, Cinderella said, May I try too? Her stepsisters laughed, but the herald said, My orders are to give a fair try to all. Cinderella's foot fit the slipper as if it had been made for her, and in fact it had. The stepsisters almost fainted when Cinderella pulled the other slipper from her pocket and put it on. Then the fairy godmother appeared, and with a tap of her wand, Cinderella's rags were changed into the most beautiful dress you can imagine. At last her stepsisters recognized her. They knelt at her feet and said they were sorry for all their meanness. Cinderella hugged them and said, Of course I forgive you. Let's be friends from now on. Cinderella was brought in state to the palace. There the eager prince waited. A few days later they were married with much rejoicing. Cinderella was just as good as she was beautiful. She brought her sisters to live in the palace and found them good husbands as soon as she could. The End You'll notice this rendition of Cinderella is yet again different from the Disney version. I appreciate that she and the prince had more time to get to know each other, but that's not the point I wanted to focus on. For Cinderella, although her stepsisters were always cruel to her, she was truly kind and good. And she not only welcomed them into the palace, but she helped them secure futures for themselves. We'll skip over the idea that women need men to fulfill their lives. Fairy tale lands are different from reality, but I think it shows her true strength. So often people confuse compassion and kindness for weakness, but that's not the case. Compassion is strength and virtuous. You don't have to believe me. The Dalai Lama said the same thing. There is an Amish proverb that I want to share as closing thoughts. Instead of putting others in their place, put yourself in their place. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story. Title, Cinderella. Author, Charles Perrault. Version, The Golden Book of Fairy Tales. Translated by Marie Ponsot and illustrated by Adrian Segur.